Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today. Well, the workplace is in flux, that's not new. But part of this is that the physical workplace is in flux. We're not exactly sure who's going to be back to work and how long they're going to be there and how much we should think about a future where everyone works from home. So we have to rethink offices, whether we even need them anymore. And if we do need them, what we need from them. Because it used to be that offices where we went because that was the only place we could work. That was where the computers were. And then we had to sit in boardrooms to meet with each other. And now we know there's lots of ways to do this. And maybe we want to rethink everything about what we thought was necessary in the physical office. Now, as we do that rethinking, we should sit down and say, what are the things that we need? What are the things we want to take with us? And what are the things that we should maybe add or subtract? It really comes down to what the purpose of an office is in this post-pandemic world, not post-pandemic like the pandemic's completely gone, but post-pandemic in that we have been scarred by a pandemic and we are making different choices. It's a really important part of the future of work, you know, this role of the office. To discuss all that, I'm joined in this episode by Doug Shapiro. Now, Doug is VP of Research and Insights at OFS. They are a global furniture manufacturer. He's also the host of a podcast called Imagine a Place. Now, Doug has written a lot and researched a lot on the role of the physical workspace, the sense of place you get from an office. He has a lot of thoughts on that. And we had a really good discussion because there are so many things to consider when we talk about what this new world should look like and literally what it should look like in terms of the physical workspace. Please stay with us to hear that. Well, now that we're changing the nature of work, we're talking about hybrid, we have to change our physical workspaces too. As we do that, it's a good time to rethink what we need in those, what are the things to include and not include, and you know, is there anything else that we need to get our minds around as we make this transition? Well, to talk about all that, I'm joined today by Doug Shapiro. He's a VP of Research and Insights at OFS. He's also the host of the podcast, Imagine a Place. He joins me now. Hi, Doug. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Linda, for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you. It's a really interesting topic, you know, the physical workplace and what it represents. How did you end up doing the kind of work you're doing, the podcast, but also just being involved in the sector? Yeah, the uh, well, it happened the way a lot of things happen to people. I met someone, right? I met, I met the uh, CEO of our company a long time ago and um, kind of was in love with his vision for what he wanted to build and jumped on board. And I found myself um, really gravitating towards product development. I spent a lot of time in product development working with product designers all over the globe. And when you design a product, you really don't just focus on the object. You start with the context in mind. You know, where is this product going? If it's to support work, what's the future of work like? What's the work experience like? And I found myself way more excited about the context than the actual object. And so that kind of led me to where I am today, where I do a lot of my exploration on workplace design, workplace, uh, the future of workplace, and how place affects people. Well, let's talk about this concept of, concept of place. I know you've mentioned that in your writings, and when you speak, it's about place. What are you, what are we talking about when we say place? Sure, sure. So, so um, place is when space takes meaning, 
right? And uh, I can't take credit for that. I've had a lot of people think about place in different ways, but I thought that was one of the most succinct definitions and it can take meaning because of uh, a moment in time that happened there, right? Where uh, maybe it's a field of flowers, but you had uh, you were proposed to in that field, right? And that that will forever be a place and no longer just a space for you in mind. But then space can take meaning through a number of other things, including the activities that go on there and things like that. So that's how I look to define place at kind of a larger point of view. It's kind of ambitious for a workplace, right? Because sometimes it's functional. That is true. It's ambitious. It's, you know, workplaces need to be functional. They need to be experiential. Um, And right now, for the most part, workplaces are a choice. So I think the identity crisis that's going on in the office is pretty interesting because it's no longer like a thing you have to do. It needs to be, you know, the office needs to think of itself as a consumer product. That's interesting. I want to come back to that, but let's go back even before the pandemic, before we had to think about being able to work outside of the office. What were the priorities then in terms of workplace design, in terms of, you know, the future of work? What were people envisioning? Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think for quite some time, we've known, we've understood the importance of being agile. Um, we've spoken a lot about it. We've had the tools to do it. We haven't always been, um, we haven't always been exercising on those thoughts though. And, and even then, we you know, we've, we've thought about work being everywhere. There's some wonderful videos that kind of describe the scenario that we're in now that were published 10 years ago. And I think there's been a, a sh- like a, a drifting apart of the lines of both the tools that we have in front of us and the culture that says, go use those tools, right? If you imagined um, tools and technology as one line on a chart and you imagined culture as the same line on that chart, right? Maybe a different, a different line, but a, you know, on that same chart. And they were both starting, right? On the Y-axis. Culture will kind of creep along, just barely change over time. Whereas tools and technology have mm-hmm. tremendously changed over 10 years. And so now what you have is a gap between those lines that have formed. And that gap is super interesting to me. I feel like in that gap is where people are now finally discovering new work-life balance. They're discovering healthier lifestyles, uh, better productivity. So there's all these things that now we're discovering for the first time that maybe could have always been there, but culture has kind of held us back from using tools and technology the way we can. Well, you talk to a lot of people who are, you know, looking at offices in the physical office. Let's get this clear. Do you think that the hybrid or remote space is here to stay? Or do you think we'll move back to something more traditional? No, I I think it's absolutely here to stay. I think it was an inevitable future, regardless of the pandemic. Um, and I think because of its its benefits, because work is not something that's time stamped. I mean, work work is something. I believe work is fundamental. I mean, I think it's part of being human. But at the same time, um, I I believe that you know the the idea of results oriented leadership, results oriented jobs over time oriented jobs were were well on their way, and so now this just pushed us over there. It's interesting you say that. That makes a lot of managers uncomfortable because it's hard to measure results. Yes, you can to some extent, but they like to know that the time is accounted for. 
And when I've spoken to people, uh, I've read things too, you know, a lot of them think, well, you know, we'll go this way for a while, but in a few years, we will maybe get back to something that we can handle a little bit better. So you're confident you're not going to see that. No. And I, I think the bigger question to ask ourselves and like, if we, we can, we can get better at measuring, you know, and trying to, you know, how do I gauge results? I think the, the effort that we, where we really need to put our effort is in how do we develop a workplace, not just physical, but just a, a workplace in general, that is something I believe in. And I think um, having bigger goals than just revenues and profits are, are the foundational element of that. I mean, that is, if we do that really well, if we create something that we can believe in, then hopefully we don't even have to worry about trying to measure whether people are working, but they're inspired to do their best work. And, you know, I agree with you. We're hearing more and more that we need purpose and people don't just want to work. They want something larger. Okay, let's talk about how the physical workspace comes into this. Never mind what people are doing. What would you like to see change about the physical workspace if you could change anything? Wow. Well, um, if I could change anything, First, I, I want to get into the, the changes I expect to see. Okay. And there's the changes that maybe I hope to see. Okay. So if I could change anything, and this is going to sound outlandish, but how could we design places to help support more laughter? Okay. And there's a reason behind this. So laughter is one of the healthiest activities you can do. Not only is it one of the healthiest, it's foundational in creating a creative environment and creative environments are key to moving from a knowledge economy to a creative economy i mean every everybody needs more creative thinkers uh, and then it also is a show of vulnerability it creates a sense of friendship and when people are in a job where they're making friends they're 10 times more likely to stay than they're if they're in a job where they're not forming relationships and so as silly as it sounds quite literally laughter <laughs> laughter is one of those things that you know if you design a space that can make people feel like themselves, help not make, help people feel like themselves. That's that's what I hope to see. Now, is this the foosball tables and the things that tech companies did? I mean, to a degree, I think that's catering towards one demographic, but you know, I've seen break rooms with ping pong tables turn into boys clubs. And you know, that's not necessarily, you know, the most inclusive thing, but it is an element, it's one element, right? Um, I, I feel like the big change, one of the, the, the four big changes I expect to see is that the office will become less precious and more human. And what I mean by less precious is, you know, if, if you um, remember growing up and you had that, maybe, maybe you did, maybe you didn't, had a formal dining room where you weren't allowed to play in it, yeah. right? Because you don't want to scratch the stuff. You know, workplaces have become less and less formal over time, but I think that's going to take an even stronger edge. Um, they've almost matched the sort of casualization that we've seen in dress and communication. I mean, if you ever thought a, uh, a CEO would send a, you know, an email with an emoji in it, you, you couldn't have even imagined that 10 years ago, right? And now it's happening regularly. I mean, the, we're becoming more casual and the physical environment is representing that. Um, so that's one of the, the shifts I mean by less precious. Um, but also there, there was the idea that the, the office was supposed to be this kind of homogeneous gray goo, you know, that, that lacked 
necessarily personality, that it was supposed to be, you know, neutral. You had company issued picture frames, things like that, to keep the space looking, quote unquote, organized. Um, but I think what we're seeing now is the space really needs to reflect the diversity of the people in it. And there's a physical representation of that that happens. An example of that would be, um, if I asked you to describe a normal person, it would be impossible to do because we all have our different sensitivities, the different ways our brain works. So neurodiversity and how it manifests itself in a physical place is becoming very important. There are people that are hyposensitive and they need high energy spaces. They need to be in tra high traffic areas. Uh, they might want more brilliant colors. Um, they're not as worried about maybe sound proofing and that's how they're going to do their best work. And then you have hypersensitive people and they're going to need spots where they can feel relaxed, right? That are going to be uh, more audio conscious. And those are two very different types of places I've described, but they both need to coexist in the same workplace. So the idea of the workplace being more like a collection of settings that reflect not only the diversity of the people, but also the diversity of the activities that are going to go on in that space, that's a much more kind of setting rich environment than what we typically see or have seen in the past with just the smears of workstations and, you know, a handful of conference rooms. You know, it's so funny when you said uh, you're talking about precious and did your parents let you play in the dining room? I just flashed to a place I worked where a meeting room was like that, where the head of the department was really conscious that nobody scratched the table and somebody went in there once and had lunch with colleagues and he was furious because that was our precious meeting room. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, that's, I'm not sure if that lent itself to the meetings either, that idea of, you know, this being a special formal space. What do you think meetings rooms are going to look like when we've seen the pictures of bistro type spaces and couches? Are we going to have the tables? Are we going to have something else? You know, I think it's, I think meeting rooms will will have a greater sense of purpose. And, you know, I, I flash back. So that's a great scene that you just painted right there. Uh, there's a scene uh, kind of in a similar direction. If you remember the, uh, uh, the men in black scene where Will Smith is getting ready to take his test and they're all in these egg chairs, you know, and they're trying to write and they, it's so unproductive in there. And he grabs this coffee table and he drags it over. Um, in general, I think, before you design a space, you have to think like, what's going to happen there? Uh, what kinds of activities do I want to support? Am I going for creativity? Am I going for meeting to create kind of a common understanding? Those are two very different types of meetings. Um, so I'm seeing both spaces that are hackable, that where people can make the space right for the, for the task at hand, but I'm also seeing spaces that are more purposeful, where uh, co-creation might be the activity. And I think co-creation is actually an activity that we really need to repurpose the office around because, you know, one of the second shifts I'm seeing is that we are understanding the purpose of place very differently than before. Um, as many of the, you know, personalized activities, you know, individual activities can be done in home offices for, for most people, um, less of the space in the office needs to be dedicated to that. And we need to be thinking about what are the kinds of activities that you can only do in an office. And I think that's the, that's the identity crisis that, that we saw like the cinema go through, you know, all this entertainment exists at home, yeah. Netflix, whatever, you know, why do I need to go to a movie theater? 
well, there are some things that maybe you can only get there, whether it's the technology experience or a dining experience or being with friends. So, or maybe a really comfortable chair. So I've, we've seen cinemas kind of recreate themselves around a greater sense of purpose. The same thing will happen in the office where I think there's going to be more space dedicated to co-creation, which is really hard to do online. You are able to do meetings like very general conference meetings uh, for updates. You know, what's your plan? What's your plan? Getting a common understanding that works on those Zoom meetings. Um, but, but I think that co-creation is what we're going to see a lot of. What about the idea that maybe you offer something extra for coming and not just meeting or seeing your colleagues, maybe you have a yoga room or you have a, a cafe or you know, something that's less formal, but you're giving this extra benefit to people. I even had somebody I interviewed on this who said, look, we've talked about gyms for work. Maybe we talk about art spaces because we want people to be Ooh, creative. I absolutely love that. I mean, opportunities to look away from the screen, to get analog again. Um, it does a couple of things. I mean, number one, obviously the health benefits are huge and well-being is actually one of the, that, that is the third big thing I expect to see in, in the future of workplaces is this infusion of well-being as it becomes more mainstream. Um, I think there's more data and a greater understanding of our health and how our in, environment impacts our health than we've ever had. And we're seeing that data and that understanding play out in how we design spaces and having spaces for yoga rooms, uh, being cautious of the chemicals we put in there, bringing it, excuse me, bringing in plant life and uh, access to sunlight. There's so much we're understanding there uh, to create more well-centered spaces. And the amenities that you speak of absolutely help create a healthier workday. But the other thing it does is it sends a cue. Like our workspaces all day long send little cues to the people in them. That they, those cues either say, my management cares about me, my ownership cares about me, or my ownership doesn't care about me. I wish I had this. I wish I could live more during work, you know, or at the work, at the office. And so I, I think what you described are those perfect cues that support health and they show the people in there that they're cared for. Very nice to see it. What about the hoteling trend? We've seen this for years now that you don't have your own office, you reserve an office, you come in, you have that space because not everyone's coming in the same day now. Do you think we'll see more of that? Was that ever a good trend? You know, I think it was a trend that we will see more of with the movement towards a hybrid workspace. The thing is, pe people do form an emotional bond to space, and it does happen, honestly, within three hours. You know, if I were sitting in an airport for a long time, and I got up, I left that chair, and I, w I just took a, get a drink of water, and I come back, and that chair is gone, I would feel something missing from me. You know, I would feel that. And I think um, it's no different in an office. The real investment comes to make that sort of thing work to make um, that free address desking work is you need to create an environment where people can easily personalize the space to their needs. And so that, that's going to mean height adjustable desks. That doesn't always mean sit to stand. It means, can I adjust the height of the desk even when I'm sitting so that I'm most comfortable? It's going to mean uh, really easily mobile ergonomic monitors that I can arrange the monitors to where I want. Also, downlighting is another big thing. Are we just under this ubiquitous light or are we giving uh, individualized lighting levels at the desktop? Um, and I think that's another way to add choice in there. And then of course, 
to think that you could do an entire day's work in one spot is probably unrealistic too. So are we giving people extra th- extra areas to go to um, to have a moment to read alone or to listen to something and proof a podcast, right? Or to uh, or to take a Zoom call not at your desk but somewhere else. So as long as as long as we're addressing lots of needs and we're addressing the idea that you can come in and have a sense of choice when you are at a desk. I think that's what's important. Do you think we need to give some thought to generations? And I'm thinking specifically Generation Z coming through. They're all about how it looks. I don't want to say shallow, but Instagrammable at least. So you look at world the world a different way if you've always had the phone in your hand. Uh, mm. What's going to change? That's a great. That's a great comment. And yes, you're right. I think um, to think that your workspace, you know, in their eyes, to be somewhere special. It's going to include art, right? It's going to include experiences uh, that are Instagrammable, right? To feel like you've had a whole day, to come into kind of a, a blank space uh, with no sort of personalized experiences, I think would be a miss. And I think, you know, important to that Gen Z is also their growth. You know, we need to be conscious of, you know, the, the, the more senior executives or senior leaders. They are the ones that probably have a big extra office in their house. They're the ones that don't need to learn anymore. How do we get them back in the office and, and engage and, and intermixing with Gen Z so that we can create a sense of um, mentoring that happens as well? And so, you know, it's that, that office. I mean, that is, and you, you want to say no one thing can do all things. Um, that is the challenge of the office right now. I want to ask you about home offices too, because if we're not always going to be at the physical office, should your employer have a say or give you some support for setting up a space at home? And even if they don't, what should you be thinking about? I would say that, you know, I, I know that's going to be very specific to each employer um, and probably depends also on kind of the nature of the work they're doing and how um, intensive their monitor work is and that sort of thing. Um, but if you don't have a good, healthy place to work, it will catch up to you and it will also show up in your results. And so I think it's not selfish at all to think you might need to take not just a half day, but a whole day to really build a place that's good for you. Um, that's good for you. And, it, and in return, it will be good for your work. So I think a lot of people don't invest in their place because number one, they don't know that it's hurting them until it really literally hurts, you know, and then they can't get out of bed because their back hurts, right? Or they're not getting enough sunlight and so their sleeping is off. Um, so that that's part of it. And the other part of it is I think sometimes people feel selfish to invest that time in creating a space, but bring in art, bring in things that make you feel joy, bring in plant life. You have to have plant life if you're going to be working from a home office and you do need access to daylight. If, you, if your only spot is, is a room that has no windows, then you need to take the time to get outside at least twice a day and get some sunlight into, into your day. That's good advice, Doug. Doug, thank you so much for talking to me today. Absolutely. It was a joy. Linda, thanks for having me. Doug Shapiro is Vice President of Research and Insights at OFS. He's also host of the podcast Imagine a Place. 
that's it for today. If you like this discussion, take a look at our show notes. You'll find some links there, uh, how you can get in touch with Doug and also some resources about offices. As well, if you want to get in touch with me, I'm on Twitter at, at @relentlesseco. Now, if you did like this discussion about the future of work and the other discussions we've had, please take a moment and leave a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps people to find us and they find us that keeps us going and continue these discussions about the future of work. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at theworkandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production. 